Hello, Gems. Welcome to another episode of Tiaras in Tech. I'm your host, Shelley Benhoff, and today I'm talking to Sarah Lean about Octopus Deploys. She is a senior solutions architect at Octopus, not a sponsor, I just love the tech. And she's also a Microsoft MVP and a community leader. We talked about all the cool stuff that you can do with Octopus, her struggles in planning community events in person for the first time since the start of the pandemic, and also her experience working in tech support. Without further ado, on to the episode. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. No, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Let's just jump right in and have you tell us your amazing story of how you got started in tech. So my story isn't one of I instantly wanted to be in tech, to be honest. Um, when I was growing up, I grew up on a dairy farm and I wanted to be outside and doing something in farming and didn't really know what that meant, but I I, I wanted to do something in that area. However, as I'm sure a lot of your viewers and listeners will know, farming isn't something that's a, an easy career because it's quite physically demanding. It's also one that you don't get many days off on or any. Um, and there's not a lot of money in it, to be honest. It's a thankless job. As amazing as it is, it's a, it's a thankless job. Um, and my parents were trying to convince me to go for something a bit more stable, to be honest, because they were both several generations of farmers. So they knew the hardships that would potentially come if I was to follow a career in farming. So they kind of nudged me in the direction of something else. <laughs> um, and because they saw my love of computers and they saw that I was able to naturally pick up um, doing things with a PC and helping friends and family and, and things like that, they tried to yeah, gently nudge me in that direction. And to be honest, when I found out the cool things that you could do and the opportunities and the fact that potentially it could lead to lead to traveling around the world, it kind of sounded a bit interesting um, to me. And yeah, that's how I kind of ended up on that path and studying at university for IT. So I still have a hankering to do something farming, to be honest, um, maybe when I win the lottery or something. Um, but yeah, uh, that's kind of how I started, I think. <laughs> that's amazing. I think my listeners would be really surprised to hear that I also have farming experience. <laughs> I spent like a lot of time as a child on a dairy farm that my grandparents <laughs> owned. And so yeah, it was obviously a lot of hard work. I stepped in a lot of cow patties. Um, <laughs> I fell off of a fence once when I was eight. <laughs> so, yeah, it's hard work. And like here, it's all corporate now. So like you don't really have privately owned. Um, yeah. yeah, you have some. Well, in uh, Florida, it's mm -hmm. actually quite popular to, you know, farm fruit here. Yeah. So, yeah, I've I've seen that a lot. That's so funny. That's like out of the blue. I had no I did not know that about you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you are at uh, Octopus, right? Yes. Yes, I that's am. so yeah. awesome. Big fan. Big fan. Octopus. Awesome. Octopus was was 
my first experience with, you know, like not having to manually copy website files to <laughs> deploy, but have like a deploy process. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> what do you like? Um, ooh, my stutter's coming out today. Hold on. What do you like about the technology and your role as a senior solutions architect? So I'll be I'll be brutally honest. When I started at Octopus Deploy six months ago, I had really no experience of the product at all. I, I knew a bit about it because I'd seen my now boss um, present at conferences and events and stuff, but I had zero zero hands-on knowledge of it. So um it was interesting to throw myself into out of my comfort zone um, with Octopus Deploy. But since onboarding with it, I I just love the fact that it's so easy to actually use. Like, I don't have to be a developer. Like, I'm not a developer. That is not where my background is. And it's not where I really want to head my career. I don't want to become a developer. As much as it's a great profession, it's not for me. Um, and the Octopus Deploy just makes it so easy for people who are non-developers. Um, even if you're a non-techie, to a certain degree, you can you can use it to help with the deployment processes and the release processes. It's just so easy. And I think that's been the joy for me. Like people said, it's dead easy. You know, we love the product. You know, that's, that's our kind of mantra. But it has become true. And, and you know, it sounds like I'm I'm the marketing person standing up here, but you know, it is really true about the fact that I have onboarded and my knowledge has ramped up so quickly, um, purely because the team have put so much effort into making the product do what everybody wants it to do and do it so easily. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of why I enjoy it at the moment. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. As as I said, you know, I've I've been a developer for a really long time and and the process like even 10 years ago honestly was like still to deploy a website you had to take it down first of all you had to take down each server which is still you know the yeah. case for a lot of things and copying website files from one computer it was like only one person could do the deploy because if you had like multiple people some of the configs might have been changed or something like that and they were so prone to human error oh my god <laughs> yeah. i yeah i i spent many many nights rolling stuff back and restoring the backup and <laughs> Yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> exactly. But then magically, this octopus thing came along where you could have a whole CI/CD process where you like check things into the master branch and it just deploys. Yeah. I know it's amazing. <laughs> I love technology. <laughs> when it works, right? When it works, when it it's works. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think sometimes hiccups happened, but not because of octopus, because yeah. of, you know, a, a bad <laughs> merge or some crap. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So what is your role exactly? Like, what do you do at octopus? Um, so I'm in the community team, as we call it, um, at octopus deploy. Um, 
it's very similar to potentially other departments calling developer relations or DevRel, um, that kind of role. So my role is very much about helping the community, building up the community, um, you know, doing things like this, um, doing brand awareness, doing talking, doing videos, creating blogs, just trying to figure out where, you know, potentially there's some gaps for our customers, our community, and trying to fill them um, by fill, yeah, by filling them with content, basically. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty exciting job. Um, I look forward to being able to travel again and meet people and meet all the community. Um, hopefully that'll happen this year. Who knows? Um, but yeah, that's it's it's very much the community. It's very much getting involved with where our customers are and trying to help them um, fill in all of the gaps and and also rewarding some of the amazing things. Like I found some amazing blog posts and videos and stuff um, that the community have written and trying to surface those up and reward our community as well with awesome swag and stuff for doing stuff like that as well. So um, it's, it's a cool job. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I pretty much have, have the same job, but I just do it on my own. So I probably make a lot less than you. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I love... Um, content because there are so many different types of things that you can do like you know podcasts like you are now or yeah. you know TikTok I'm I'm starting to get into that and um the ability to teach something within like a minute and a half to to 3 minutes <laughs> I love that yeah <laughs> and people too yeah <laughs> yeah although it I think it's harder to teach inside that small like I, I don't know about you but I always find it really hard to to do a video or something within three minutes I always want to go over and yes. I want to ramble for quite a long time so it's a skill <laughs> yeah same um the whole rambling thing that's so funny that you brought that up because I just got a um uh plural site review from a student that said that they appreciate that I get right to the point <laughs> but like we have to for yeah. that that's like a rule for authors like you know just just get right to the point it's hard it's hard <laughs> totally there are so many things that you want to you know tell stories about how you've used this technology or when things went wrong, stuff like yep. that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, other than like octopus or um, in internally in octopus, I guess, mm -hmm. what um, technologies are you excited about? There's lots of different things that I'm I'm playing with at the moment. So I've been diving into um, Azure Bicep templates and, and doing all of that. I've been learning things about um, Azure DevOps and GitHub Actions in conjunction with Octopus and stuff. So there's a whole host of things that have been on my to-do list in terms of learning technologies for a while. And um, it's ironic that I had to leave Microsoft to try and figure out how to use Azure Bicep templates, but I finally found the time um, and the motivation to do it. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to just doing things that are outside my comfort wheel, to be honest. Like I said, I've I'm not a developer, I'm a sysadmin, you know, for years I administered Windows servers, Exchange servers, did all that kind of fun stuff, but I'm trying to evolve into doing more DevOps, a bit more infrastructure as code, maybe even learning a bit more about like .NET. I think in the last six months I've 
I've used more .NET stuff and learned how to you like build an application locally and deploy it than I ever thought I would do. So it's just exciting being able to have um, the time and the scope to play with some of these technologies um, again and and find the reason for them because um, Octopus isn't just like you know Octopus. It deals with all the cloud providers, so you can we can support Windows, Linux, AWS, GCP, Azure. You know, and obviously some of those things are in my wheelhouse already, but there's things that I can start to learn and actually use. And, you know, I've got an upcoming webinar at Octopus about AWS cloud formation. Now, I'm an Azure girl. I, I worked at Microsoft, obviously. So there's, there's you know, history there. So I'm totally out of my wheelhouse in terms of learning AWS and AWS cloud formation. But do you know what? That's what I love about technology because there's so much to learn and I can take the skills that I have in other areas and try and transform them into other bits of technology. So yeah, I'm just, I'm excited about tech again, to be honest. Um, and that's, that's just fun. Anything at the moment's fun. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, um, I have been a dot net um, developer since it started, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, in the, the early 2000s. <laughs> I even used to work in ASP Classic, where nice. my my IDE was Dreamweaver. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> I yeah, I have some experience with Microsoft technologies, but um, Azure, yeah, I I also have a lot of you know experience too. It's interesting when people um, use octopus with um azure as well mm -hmm. right because they have a product too um that yep. supports stuff <laughs> um if i can ask this is kind of a a super technical question but yep. why would someone choose octopus over like azure if you know i don't know so <laughs> I think it's like any tool. It's about understanding what your organizational needs are, right? Um, I always say to customers, understand your needs. Like, what do you need from a tool? Whether it's a CI, CD pipeline or whether it's a cloud provider or, you know, a migration tool from on-premise to, um, you know, the cloud. Understand what you need from that tool. Understand what you need it to do and then go out and find a tool that actually matches your needs. Um, don't just pick the one that looks shiny and you've seen someone on YouTube or at a conference talking about because chances are you're going to find that it doesn't meet your needs and you're going to have to start again and your budget's going to you know, double and your timelines are going to double because you've picked the wrong tool. So Octopus is, will fit some organisations absolutely fantastically and it'll fit all their needs that maybe another tool doesn't. And then in other cases, it won't fit any of their needs and they'll pick another tool. So I don't think there's necessarily a versus conversation there. Um, there is and there isn't, but it's not, you know, we're not necessarily better all the time for every customer. Um, it just depends on your needs. So again, it's it'll depend on your needs, basically, yeah. to be honest. It's the simplest way of saying it. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Off the top of my head, and again, like I'm not being sponsored by Octopus for this, so we're not like trying to sell Octopus. We just love it. Um, in 
my experience, I mean, I, I have been all Microsoft all the time, all Azure, but I know that a lot of like agencies who have clients have multiple um, platforms as well. Yeah. So I would assume that if you wanted to standardize a process, then Octopus would be perfect because you can push code out to Azure, you know, AWS or on-prem or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. On-prem. Yeah. I, I actually worked with um, John's Hopkins in 2020 mm -hmm. and they had on-prem stuff because they're like so secure. Oh my God. <laughs> I had like five different layers of security that I would have to go into. Um, and yeah, it, it was amazing. I don't, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So let's talk about your support experience. I um, noticed like right away your LinkedIn profile. You said that you have experienced triaging support calls. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I started in help desk. So I was just wondering if you could tell us what were your most memorable calls? <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know, I've been thinking about this and I, I can't really remember any good help desk calls. Like we had the, the, the usual ones where people were like, my PC is not turning on. I've got, you know, it won't turn on. And then eventually you find out that Actually, what they're trying to tell you is the building doesn't have any electricity. Um, you know, silly ones like that. But I think one of the most memorable moments that I've had um, that always sticks out in my mind is when I was actually like a, a third level engineer. So we were working for a managed service provider and we'd just taken on a new customer. And they were basically uh, on a quarry. Their office was in a quarry where they were selling like um, aggregates and, you know, tarmac and things like that and um, so the office was always dusty and messy and yeah just you know a working industrial office basically and they had these servers under their desk and it was one of those old Dell servers you know that looked like a big PC box and um, so it was, it was under a desk and it hadn't been rebooted for like three or four years and we needed to reboot it to install some updates because again they hadn't installed any updates so uh, me and my colleague and i think this was like the 23rd of december so right before everybody was due to finish for the christmas holidays so um, we were trying to get it done and we we're you know promising to get it done before the end of the year so we applied these updates and we rebooted the machine and all of a sudden as it spun down and then spun back up the fan stopped and then when the fan started again they they pushed out all this plume of like dust and garbage out of the thing. And I, honest to God, thought my life had ended because I'm like, this server has just exploded and I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, I think we oh both God. looked at each other and we're like, oh my God, like, what do we do? Thankfully, it literally just was the dust coming out of the, the server and it came back up fine. But there was a moment where my heart stopped and we were panicking about like, how are we going to tell the customer we've just blown up their server two days before Christmas? <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> so, so yeah, I've had some fun like that before. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I think, <laughs> oh my gosh. First of all, how did that machine come back on after having that much dust that blew out? <laughs> 
who knows but thank you to someone <laughs> I, I guess that was just a pretty solid you know server that was yeah. meant to last which is <laughs> that's crazy because I've I've worked with servers that literally like any little thing would make it go down and you know yeah. it it wouldn't come back up easily <laughs> like did you have to clean it at all or did it just come back on after it, it, it just came itself? back on yeah wow. but Honestly, it was a, a scary moment, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we did take a duster later on and, and kind of wipe down the mess that it caused. But well, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> One of those moments you just. <laughs> yeah. Your your heart just like sinks into your knees, you know. <laughs> You're just like, oh God, what just happened? Am I going to get fired? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I started out in help desk. And I, I worked that for probably like three years. And one of the jobs I had, it was like these people, well, technology had just kind of started. Um, so not a lot of people knew how to use it and yeah. didn't understand. And I was, I was working for the government. So they're even more behind on tech than <laughs> any other industry, which is awful because of security. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> but um, someone called me and uh, said that they broke their coffee holder that was attached to the computer. And I was like, <laughs> it took me quite a while to figure out that they they thought that the cd-rom drive <laughs> popped out and that was to put their coffee on so of course it is not meant to withstand that much weight and it just you know <laughs> oh that's brilliant. i i felt so i didn't even know how to say it i didn't want to make the person feel stupid you know like i no. never want to make anybody feel stupid people have told me that I have a knack for making people feel stupid. So it's something that I've like worked on, Yeah. but I, I just think I, I said something like, you know, sir, this is a CD-ROM drive that stands for <laughs> read only memory. And, you know, have you ever seen a CD? Like that's where you put it in your computer. <laughs> well, that's brilliant. Oh my gosh. But yeah, <laughs> over the years I've, taught my parents mostly. Oh, I'm so proud. My mom <laughs> recently, oh my gosh, I was having a conversation with her. She didn't understand how her account information was the same on her phone and her computer. And I was just like, well, you know, account information is saved, you know, <laughs> on a server. And she goes like the cloud. I was like, I want to cry. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think um, help desk is an interesting way to start in tech. I've um, told a yeah. lot of people, if you're interested in tech, like it's, it, it's good. It's, it, it is customer service. So there's that. Yeah. But, yeah and I think, I think a lot of people forget that, that a lot of IT is customer service and you learn it hard as a skill if you're on that help desk having to deal with people who are non-technical and probably shouting at you down the phone. You you learn how to deal with those situations. Um, so I always say, you know, if you're in IT, you've got to spend, you know, at least a month or whatever 
um, on the help desk, learning about how folk deal with stuff and what your customers are moaning about. Otherwise, yeah, you're missing out on so much. <laughs> yeah, and it um, exposes you to a lot of skills too, like networking was a huge one, like you said, you know, figuring out that the power was out in someone's building and that's why their, you know, computer wasn't turning on. Troubleshooting, yeah. just critical thinking and troubleshooting. And I yeah. mean, as you know, troubleshooting is pretty much 90% of what we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Teach problems and stuff like that. Um, so let's talk about community. You run um, the <laughs> Glasgow. Is that how you say it? Glasgow, yeah. <laughs> Glasgow, yeah. Um, Azure user group. What is it like running a community? It's stressful, intense, learning lots of new skills um, and fun all at the same time. <laughs> It's, I think a lot of people underestimate the work that goes in, in the background to make these user group events um, or conferences or anything like that actually happen. Um, there's so much more than just turning up, but, you know, when the doors open and sitting down and, and stuff like there's social media, there's newsletters, there's sponsorship, there's venue organization, there's food and drinks, there's speakers, there's like figuring out how to work a projector in a strange place that you've never, you know, um, yeah, dealing with fire regulation, all sorts of things that you would never ever think um, would go into an event or you don't think about when you attend an event. But it's also very rewarding, to be honest. It's it's nice seeing the community grow and you know, communities come together and all that hard work come, yeah, just just you know, turn out to be something good. So yeah, to me, I mean, I'm I'm a member of a ton of communities. I haven't started my own yet. Mm -hmm. I'm considering it because I mentor like over a hundred people and it'd be nice not to have to check Twitter, LinkedIn, Slack, <laughs> Discord, like, you know, to see if I have any messages. <laughs> if I had like one place, then, you know, it would probably be easier, but yeah, I, I like them because of just support overall. Um, generally I'm not asking questions. I'm like answering them. And yeah. I feel like, um, overwhelmingly, at least for women, the question actually, no, this, this happens with men too. The question that the people ask me the most is, should I be upset about this, you know, work issue or yeah. something like that. And I'm normally like, you know what, if you're asking that question, the answer is yes, absolutely. Um, it's really sad that people ask that people like, aren't, aren't sure if they're allowed to be upset about something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's also like, um, exposure to, technologies that other people are into even azure overall there's a bunch of different technologies within that that i've never touched um yeah. 
you know, AI and <laughs> bots and, and stuff like that. I've not, um, yeah. yeah. How do you, um, well, I think that one question I often answer as well is just to send people links to blogs on a topic or, you know, courses or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you promote learning (laughs) to a a group, I guess? Um, So there's obviously a few different ways that we do. So just attending the user group is a great way to learn because you'll get a diverse you know, speakers coming along and when we were doing in person, actually, even when we were doing virtual, we're getting speakers outside of Scotland. So you're getting to see what other countries are doing or potentially, you know, they're probably doing the exact same thing as us, but um, it's good to hear that, you know, the way we are doing it is, is that, is that way. Um, We, although we have Azure in our user group title, we have had talks on other technologies in the cloud. We've had Office 365 and we've had like Windows Intune and device management. So we cover a whole host um, of topics at the user group. So that's one way. Um, But I try to do a newsletter as well to help, you know, show people other blog posts or keep up to date with news. And like you say, tell them about free events that are coming up or training courses. So um, yeah, it's just, I think having people in that user group community, they're already on that learning journey. They just need help to find new materials potentially. Um, Because I think anyone that's committed to attending a user group is already someone that's excelling versus someone that isn't, to be quite honest with you, because they're giving up their time. They're trying to learn more. They're trying to invest in themselves. So it's just about helping them find new resources or resources they might not know about. And then potentially seeing them feedback and resources to us as well, because I don't know all the resources out there and there's probably amazing blog posts that I've not seen. So it's it's just about building that kind of community sharing spirit um, and making it a safe space for people to share their content or new content. That's kind of what I try to do. Whether I do it, I don't know, but that's, that's the intention <laughs> behind it. <laughs> yeah, you just said a phrase that I've said so many times. I think that people should have like a drinking game over how many times I say this safe space. (laughs) (laughs) It's so important to have a safe space to learn and grow. Honestly, you don't want people who are, you know, competitive and constantly one-upping other people and, making people feel stupid. I think the worst thing that I've seen in any community that I'm a part of, if a person asks a simple question, then somebody will send them a GIF on how to Google something. That's an asshole move, man. Like, don't do that. (laughs) You want to be welcoming and to make the person feel supported. If people are asking what you think are stupid questions, then you shouldn't be helping people. (laughs) Nobody has a stupid question is, is my point. Yeah. Yeah. I think Um, I always say that the only stupid question is the unasked ones, the ones you don't ask. Oh my gosh. Because that's when you start to get into problems right like we've all been in horrible situations where something you know a systems went down or whatever and we assume we know how to fix it 
but we actually don't or we're blagging our way through it. Asking those questions can help you get out of those tricky situations. So I always say the only stupid questions are the unasked ones. So. I love that. Yeah, I, I I totally just wrote that down. That will be one of the quotes for this episode. Yeah, that is so true. I always tell people to not be afraid to ask questions. I think a lot of people are afraid because they've had negative responses in the past. Mm. And it, it takes a lot of patience. We all you know, have questions. And sometimes maybe someone looked it up, but still isn't understanding it off of like a blog post that assumes that they have all, all these skills to back up a topic. And if a person is starting, you know, early on, they're not going to have all of those skills and it would be nice to, help them out by, you know, explaining something or, or sending them more information. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is so important. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I wanted to say something about the community and now, oh yeah, you mentioned events. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I had no idea that you had them. Are they, online or like um in person at some point do you think um yeah so we started in 2017 so we had in-person events right up until um the start of the pandemic um and then we changed to virtual we're hoping to do a kind of tester social event in april um to try and you know just test the waters because I think everyone's still a bit nervous about meeting and everyone has different comfort levels some people are completely over the pandemic other people still want two meter space and masks and you know don't come near me so um we're trying to do a small event in April just to you know get people back in and see what the turnout is like and see how everybody's comfort levels are and again how the logistics of it work because I haven't run an in-person event for two and a half years or something so I don't know how all that works I've forgotten all the things I need to do so um yeah we'll try that and we'll see how that goes and then just track where you know things are with the pandemic I think it's just it's just interesting how to figure out the best thing forward for everybody and and stuff um I think one of the the sad things potentially about going back to in-person is we might not have the same diversity in terms of the in-person because right now we probably we've got people from all over the UK and parts of Europe and maybe sometimes the US coming to our virtual events obviously that's a lot harder if you do it in person um, and stuff like that so it'll be it'll be sad to almost say goodbye to those people that have joined us for the last few years um, but yeah, I still I'm looking forward to doing the in-person events again because they were fun from what I remember. <laughs> yeah, same. I'm I'm already like super nervous. I have two conferences um in the fall and like I'm I'm already thinking, oh my God, I'm gonna see all these people that I haven't seen in like two years and yeah. everybody's gonna wanna hug me. Um how do I feel about that? I hate having to think about that kind of stuff, but yeah. we're 
in this like twilight zone period where the pandemic isn't over but as you said like a lot of people are just wanting it to be over so much that that they just (laughs) act like it's over um yeah but I think that making people comfortable is um the key this year (laughs) well and (laughs) all the time but like especially especially this year yeah there's an there's an extra element now into organizing the events um on top of everything that we had to think of before so oh yeah I didn't even think about like (laughs) protocols are there like rules in Scotland yeah so right now um we still have a mask mandate, so you have to wear a mask in supermarkets and communal areas and stuff. So, um, yeah, you like in restaurants, you have to wear a mask as you walk into the restaurant. As soon as you sit down, you can take your mask off, obviously, and stuff like that. Um, I think that will potentially end mid-April, just before we have our meetup. So that may make people more comfortable coming along because they don't have to wear a mask, you know, um, or it may make people more uncomfortable because there isn't masks or there isn't that mask mandate so it's trying to it's trying to balance that right um I think from my own personal level I would still prefer to still wear a mask even if it wasn't like even just in an elevator or a lift situation I would potentially ask people not to join me in that because that's not my comfortable space so it's being able to make sure everybody respects those personal choices that everybody else will make um, but also having fun and getting back to a bit of normality is going to be really tricky um, and I don't want to be the the hard bouncer person telling people you can't come to the event if you're if you're not doing x y and z but equally I want everybody to be safe and comfortable so I have to put on that kind of you know do these things or don't do these things type <laughs> it's such it's such a mess to be honest from from my point of view as an organizer but again I want to get back to a bit of normality and have the community back together so yeah. I need to put myself in that space and and do things so yeah we'll see <laughs> that is really really hard I am I am with you I I wish I lived in Scotland because I'm in Florida and we're the exact opposite we have a a governor who you know has sued people for wearing masks in school <laughs> like, so <laughs> goodness the fact yeah. that you still have to wear masks in like stores and and all of that that that's not how it is here and so i i haven't left my neighborhood since um december 31st oh, wow yeah I just you know have everything delivered and I um take walks outside so I I don't really mind it I'm actually okay (laughs) my my life before all this was quarantine so (laughs) not too bad um yeah and like recently I um missed a conference in um crap what is the what is the city in Hungary and that would have been the first time I had traveled internationally for work 
um, mm-hmm. since like 2014. Um, okay. I was, I was so sad to miss that and seeing all the posts of everybody together and happy to be together again. And it was, yeah, I was feeling a lot of FOMO, but <laughs> not ready to travel internationally yet. I'm not even ready to travel within the United States yet, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It has been very, very hard. Um, Yeah. So uh, what advice do you have for anyone who is interested in a tech career? Um, I think it kind of goes back to our earlier point, ask questions, speak to people. There's so many people out there that are willing to, to help mentor, you know, potentially people entering the tech industry or, just have a look. There's some great material out there telling you the realities of an IT career or help you or point you in the direction. So have a, have a look online, find someone, um, find a bunch of people, find a community, go to your local user group or attend your local user group. Um, there's lots of information out there if you are if you can't find it. Um, but ask lots of questions and figure out what there is because there's tons of jobs in IT. There's tons of jobs in IT, even if you're not a technical person, right? Like there's so much variety in IT and it's just such a great career to be in because there's twists and turns within your career. There's opportunities to travel if we can travel. Um, but yeah, like IT is something that translates no matter where you are in the world. Um, so yeah, have a go, like ask some people some questions, dig into it Um don't be put off by the fact that it looks like a male-only industry because there are certain sections of it that are a bit male-orientated, but there's also some great and amazing women um, inside the tech industry that will help support you and be there for you. And yeah, so yeah, just just give it a go, ask questions and don't be frightened. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't be frightened. That is a huge thing. You know, recently I, um, or no, like my whole career, I have almost always been the only woman on the team, you know, the whole Microsoft, um, industry mm-hmm. for developers is overwhelmingly male yeah. and, I, I recently, like I've had so many people on this show that are .NET developers and, and they're all women. And I'm just like, where have you been my whole life? <laughs> you know. Yeah. But like we met over communities, like um, user groups and conferences and stuff we all just kind of flock to each other and yeah i'm i'm in a ton of slacks and discord that are groups for women only yeah yeah again safe space for us <laughs> to chat about yep. what's totally. going on <laughs> yeah um oh yeah and and the other thing that you said was that, you know, there are so many options in, in tech. A lot of people ask me, um, should I specialize in a thing? If you had asked me this like three years ago, I would say absolutely yes, because I was highly specialized in yeah. Sitecore. I still am. But 
I think if you're a technologist, it's like, there are so many technologies out there. Why would you just, you know, pin it to one? Like I've, I've learned so many different things and, you know, I, I recently spun up my first Python site. Nice. (laughs) Totally different. I'm like Linux, like what's going on with this? Yeah. And like, I'm actually thinking about buying a Mac. Uh, (laughs) So, so I can do Docker and, you know, not have to teach it on windows, which I'm sure (laughs) a a lot of students would be like, what are you doing? You know, like (laughs) nobody does this, (laughs) but yeah, don't, um, choose one technology study anything that you're interested in, honestly. Yeah. And I, um, I found jobs and specialties by looking at, um, job boards and salaries and figuring (laughs) out what would pay me the most, you know, whatever. It's no secret that in tech, we make a lot of money, you know, like a lot of money without a ton of like education, I'd say. True. Yeah. True. I know some great engineers that have never went to university and just are self-taught. Exactly. And continue to do that. So yeah, you can do that. You could do that path as well um, if you wanted. Same. Yeah. I've known some amazing engineers who just didn't want to you know pay for college because here it's ridiculously expensive (laughs) I'm I'm still paying my student loans I'm 41 (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's ridiculous well we're uh coming to the end of our time here it's been such a great conversation thank you so much um can you tell us where (laughs) can people connect with you um, yeah so i'm on twitter as techie lass or i've got a blog that is um, techielass.com where you'll find out my latest blog posts and also where i'm speaking in terms of um, virtual user groups and events and stuff like that so you can find me there i love your handle techie lass I, I think like the moment i saw it i was like oh follow you know like <laughs> such a great name oh my gosh yes Sarah thank you so so much for being on the show I I loved our chat been great thank you so much (laughs) if you want to support us please like subscribe and share this episode with your fellow gems let me know in the comments what other topics you would like me to cover and follow TRs and tech on social media thanks for watching or listening and have a great day